0: Hello and welcome to Meet My Potential Podcast, where we chat with leaders from around the world to inspire you and bring you tips on how to achieve your goals with ease and peace of mind. Today, we're going to talk about the ingredients of distributed leadership, and we have with us Peter Plum from SAP to talk to us about it. And before we get into the episode, I would love for you to go check out our events page where we have a couple of interesting events coming up on how to deal with organizational politics, scaling women's leadership, and the Prenny Brands program on dare to lead so if you're interested in any one of them head over to meetmypotential.com events all right let's get into the episode Peter is the Executive Vice President, Global Head of Enterprise Cloud Services at SAP. Before joining SAP, he was the Executive VP of the Infrastructure and Data Management Services at Atos. That's where I met him for the first time when I was working with one of his customers. I invited Peter because he's one of those very high-paced and highly driven leaders in the space of digital transformation. He has over 20 plus years of experience across a multitude of functions and he has lived and worked across several countries he has a proven track record to transform build and drive complex high-valued multi-billion euro organizations welcome peter
1: thank you deepa uh very nice to invite you and i'm very happy to be here
0: thank you so what are the limits of implementing distributed leadership for you and maybe before that you want to start off with what is distributed leadership for you um,
1: it's interesting as we discussed beforehand i think almost uh, despite the fact that distributed leadership was something that was named in around 2000 uh, and based on uh, leadership in schools, at least that's how it started. Uh, I think distributed leadership for anybody who drives an intelligent, high-value organization is something that is automatic, especially in the space of IT and digital transformation. We work with highly intelligent individuals where we rely on their skills and insight, especially in this fast-moving world where it's almost impossible to, on your own to stay up to date, which requires... I would say, a leadership team that is, per definition, distributed. The world is too big, too large, too 24-7 to manage everything on your own. And I think key is to build up a leadership team that can drive decisions and leadership autonomously without having to oversee them every second as well. That is for me distributed leadership, basically creating a leadership team that you trust. I think this is absolutely the key word that you trust. You don't even have to delegate because based on the strategic mission that you define yourself, everybody understands implicitly what the tactical and operational execution required is.
0: Right. And you underline the word trust over there, like what is trust for you? Like when do you know that you trust someone and when do you know- know that you don't trust someone?
1: Well, I take a different approach. I I have always taken the approach that I trust anybody implicitly until proven. Otherwise, sometimes that can come back and uh, bite you in the behind. But in general, it it works very well because people, especially in leadership and in delegation, the moment you show trust, uh, a lot of people will do anything they can not to betray your trust because everybody knows that um, and that goes for anything. Trust comes and drops and leaves in buckets. So it's very hard to regain trust at a certain point in time. Trust also means that in the end, especially in an organization, I report to the board and SAP. The board defines a strategic direction of where we need to go. I translate that for my specific organization. With the leadership, we build out that strategic vision to a strategic plan for my organization, and we all buy into that. That creates a level of trust. And that trust for me implies that I don't need to think or oversee or micromanagement any decision my leadership team takes in implementing that strategy. That I think is core about trust. And hopefully there's also trust, I would say, at personal level, making sure we take care of each other. And in some way that goes also for internal politics, as well as external ones, uh, and make sure there's no gap between all of us in how we execute.
0: You named something very important. You named two things that are very important. One is that when you have those meetings, when you discuss that strategy, and then you roll out a plan, you trust that everything that needs to be said has been said in that meeting. And that means that there is no politics happening. How do you ensure that?
1: Well, there's never a guarantee, but in principle, the core is is that you give everybody room to discuss. I think it's very important that uh, even if you're all part of one organization, everybody has a certain viewpoint, but also certain goals and aims, both at the personal and the professional level. And communication is key here. I think it's very important that you get also able to transport yourself in the shoes of the other. And I can come up with a reorganization and that may have a negative impact on somebody. And I think it's important that you understand each other's viewpoints. Uh, how they look at things and then put yourself in their shoes to imagine uh, how it would come across if you do if everybody does that then at least you create a common understanding and a common understanding is the core to in the end creating a team. That doesn't mean that distributed leadership goes to the point that we become a democracy. Uh, I see my my role towards my leadership team primarily as one of three roles, basically. I would say arbitration. If two of my teams severely disagree or one does something that negatively impacts somebody else, I will need to arbitrate and make sure that we get aligned again or make one party understand they might not get their way and the other party uh, can go ahead. That's one. Two, it is helping translate the strategy coming top down with my team into a strategy for us. One of my core strengths is strategy. I'll be honest, I'm probably also very good at operational execution, but the tactical part in between is not my strength. And last but not least is especially the different roles we have. I see myself as representing my organization externally. So a large part of my leadership team can focus internally.
0: Excellent. Thank you very much. So what gets in the way of putting this in place?
1: well, as I said before, trust is key. I joined SAP seven months ago. And of course, coming from outside, a lot of people, you know, my team first thought, oh, who's, who's this uh, energizer bunny? that clearly his um, his battery never runs out, unfortunately.
0: Well, that's true. You have so much energy. I've seen you. I mean, like we've done meetings at seven o'clock in the morning and then in evening seven also, you have exactly the same amount of energy at 7 a.m.
1: I'm very happy. I'm not head and shoulders in that sense that um, I don't have to do everything by the first impression because then uh, I would be in trouble. So it takes a while to to get used to each other. The other thing is around delegation. There's a big dis- be a difference between delegation and distributed leadership. In delegation, I always describe as follows. I have a picture of a dog in my head. I explain that to people uh, I delegate to in extreme and excruciating detail, and then they will draw the dog. Now, in all cases, I will be disappointed with the picture of the dog that is drawn. But since I don't have enough time, I'll just have to accept whatever they have drawn. That's delegation. In the case of distributed leadership, we just talk about the dog in general, and it doesn't matter what it looks like in the end, as long as it's going the right way. Uh, And it is a dog and not a cat. And I think the biggest differences that people have is that you truly need to accept that distributed leadership is not delegation, people driving autonomously. The other thing which is very important with distributed leadership and why it sometimes fails is that next to holding people accountable for what they do as leaders, you also need to give them the autonomy to go along with it. If you hold every delegation in your hands personally, then you can't expect distributed leadership to work because for everything that your leadership needs, they need to come to you for permission or approval. Doesn't mean you need to give everything away. In some cases, the outside world requires you to hold on to things. But I think the key thing is, I would say, don't delegate tasks, but delegate autonomy and authority. And of course, it goes hand-in-hand with accountability. That is also critical. And make sure your team understands that, yes, you have all the freedom in the world, but if you mess up, you will be held accountable as well.
0: Wonderful. You rightly said that autonomy goes hand-in-hand with authority, that both of them go together. What gets in the way for a leader to give autonomy to his people and give authority?
1: It is easier to implement distributed leadership in good times. The knee-jerk reaction of lots of people, when things go wrong, is to start centralizing autonomy and authorizations and power, because they feel they need to micromanage the moment it goes bad. I think one of the hardest things to do is to not react that way, but together analyze what you need to do better, come up with plans and ideas to make things get back on track and instead of immediately having the innate reaction to say, okay, okay, I'll do it all myself because that's never going to work.
0: Right. What helps you in moments of stress to not react but to step back and to analyze?
1: I think that took me quite a while to uh, to get there. It's always like feedback. Everybody says feedback is a gift but I can tell you for years and years I hated feedback. I never liked to hear uh, what people thought I wasn't doing right because I was always convinced I was doing everything right. I think it took me 20 years to get to the point that I actually actively see seek feedback and want to hear uh, how I can improve personally. I think the same goes for, you know, reaction to stress and things not going well. The most important thing uh, I've always learned is um, if you get upset, just write an email if you're going to send it with all of your frustration in there. And then don't send that email or don't send that chat or don't call somebody, but get it out of your system. At least it will help you frame uh, why you're so upset. And at least it gets the, uh, the emotion out. And then wait a while, maybe talk to somebody who is sideways involved and get their point of view and gather some details, uh, which I think is important. In the end, in general, what is very important is remove the emotion. doesn't mean remove the passion, but remove the emotion and focus on facts. Because facts, nobody will argue about. You get an aligned viewpoint from everybody. And that's the starting point. If you don't know where you're coming from, you don't know where you need to go and what you need to build to get there. And finally, sometimes it can just help do something completely different. My, on a personal level, my best de-stress is to cook something. That usually helps a lot.
0: So four things. First point that Peter just mentioned is... to write an email or in other words, journal, journal your frustrations. Journaling is a great way to get things out of your system. Journaling doesn't mean that the stories and things that you write are going to happen. It's just a way of getting your frustrations out of your system. And the second point that he mentions is take time, wait it out and talk to somebody else and get a different perspective. And the third point is wait until the emotion calms down and then focus on the facts that is so important and so hard to do yet. And the last point is always you will have something An activity that gets you in the flow, that helps you to cut away from the noise that happens in our brain, like meditation or cooking or going for a run, whatever it is for you. So those are four key great ideas. Thank you, Peter.
1: Another silly idea what helps for me is, uh, I think it's because I read once that the brain relaxes just before you try to fall asleep and it helps you uh, basically things that have been nagging your brain just before your subconscious take over can pop out. Uh, I have learned to embrace that. And I always put a little notebook next to my bed so I don't fall asleep stressed that I have to remember this or have to remember that. And I just quickly write it down and then I can uh, sleep well and uh, I can still leverage all the great ideas I had during the night.
0: Excellent. Thank you. Once again, we're back to journaling and journaling is has been proven. It has lots of great effects. Even Brené Brown talks about journaling and writing down the stories that we have in our head or things that we need to remember for the next day. So great idea. Thank you so much. And what's one advice that you would like to give leaders?
1: Well, as I said before, I can summarize it. Don't confuse delegation with a distributed leadership. I think second, especially in high value, intelligent organizations, distributed leadership is per definition a must, especially in global organizations that run 24-7 with lots of people that you never see. I think that is critical. In my role, I travel all around the world. I see some of my team in uh, can meet them up in Singapore, the next week will in Barcelona, tomorrow it will be in Germany. Uh, they will not always be there. People will be remote in different time zones. Trust is critical there. Trust your team Teams. And this is critical. If there are people in your team you do not trust, whether it is on the personal level, on a political level, in or external, or trust in them to be part of your distributed team to execute the vision and the strategy you've put together, don't hesitate to remove them. Uh, it has nothing to do with maybe with the skills or capability of that person, but you need in a distributed leadership team to all have that trust together. And if one person is a dissident, how hard it may be Don't hesitate to take them out.
0: Fantastic. Even though that might be hard, trust is such an important element because when you have a team that you trust, then your level of productivity and efficiency is just much higher. And as Peter said before, when times are bad, when times are tough, that is exactly when that we fall back and we go back to our old behaviors and our old patterns. And that's exactly when you should apply the four tips that he mentioned. And in times of uncertainty, in times of complexity, the very first knee-jerk reaction for us is to actually go and control and micromanage. So that's when we need to step back and apply the tips that he just mentioned. Thank you so much for being here with us. And uh, before we close this episode, I'd like to ask you what has helped you as a leader to succeed? What's been your secret recipe?
1: I think the most important thing is, is um, accept that whether it's via delegation or via a leadership team, that if something gets done, it doesn't necessarily have to be exactly how you would have done it, but it still can be very good. I started off probably as a know-it-all, well, maybe I still am, and absolutely convinced about how I thought it should be done was the best. I think accepting that you can get to Rome in many different ways and still get there on time and uh, within budget, etc., is critical. The other interesting thing is I read once about great leaders and maybe that goes for me as well. Uh, They're all lazy and I would almost say I am lazy at a certain level as well, in a sense that I always try, I always use this metaphor. I try to be the first person on the highway and then I'm done, which of course is impossible because the highway keeps going and going and going. But I still have this, uh, this dream of ever getting there. The, the point is more, working harder doesn't necessarily mean working better. If, yes, if you need to put in the 17 hours a day for five days in a row because something is stressful, fine. I think the core to working is working efficiently and never confuse efforts with results. I think that is absolutely critical.
0: Never confuse efforts with results.
1: That's, that's the same point for me. If, if I have leaders and they can do their job in 12 hours a week and then go fishing the rest of the week, uh, as long as they give me the results that I want, then I'm fine. I really couldn't care less.
0: Excellent. I love that quote. Never confuse efforts with results. Great. Thank you for being here with us.
1: More than welcome, Deepa. And uh, thank you for having me on your
0: show. All right. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the episode, do go hit the like button and share this episode with a friend or a colleague. And I look forward to talking to you here again in two weeks. And until then, stay cool.